chilling new original docuseries on Paramount Plus. Why did he kill his family? The answer lies across the ocean in a woman named Sylvie. She's a can model. Where desire leads to deception. I ended up spending twelve and fifteen thousand dollars a day. It was addictive. I can't get you out. And obsession leads to murder. Who did this to your family? You can't really maintain a fantasy forever. Control Alt Desire, now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Welcome to another podcast from InsideCarolina.com, the independent voice of UNC sports. Brought to you by JohnnyTShirt.com, the go-to provider for all your Tar Heel gear. Welcome into the Inside Carolina podcast. This is a special edition of the 40 Club podcast, and we have... 2017 national champion Joel Barry join us. I'm your host Ross Martin, joined by Joey Powell. Joel, what's going on, man? Nothing much, man. Just living life each and every day. <laughs> and you're in Turkey, right? Can you? Uh, I mean, what's going on there? Kind of break down what's going on in Turkey right now with you. Yeah, everything's good. Um, you know, we're at the end of the season. Um, right now, uh, we're in a lockdown, so haven't been able to get out much. Um, but uh, you know, we're doing we do we're doing what we can and trying to stay safe, trying to stay out of the way and stay healthy. Um, things look good for a little bit and then um we had to go back into a lockdown. But everything's good though, and basketball is going great. Yeah, what's that like playing there? I mean, what what's what's Turkish basketball look like in your team and, and how you kind of operate internationally with the with the basketball situation? Yeah, so um I've uh I'm on a young team. Um, we have a lot of guys who were, um, 18, 19. Um, I mean, the ages go as low as 14 and 15 years old. Um, and so I'm, I'm like one of the oldest guys on the team and I, you know, I just turned 26. I mean, I'm still young, but, um, you know, that just goes to show (laughs) how young our team is. So, um, yeah, we, we, uh, so we're doing, we're doing really good right now. Um, not too many people expected us to be where we are in the league um, because of the young team. And we're currently um, in the seventh spot right now. Um, we're locked in for the playoffs with a big win last night. Nice. Uh, so that's that's really good for for the um, the organization. So um, things are going well. Uh, the good thing is as far as travel, you know, we really don't have to go that far since we're only playing in the Turkish league. Um, you know, we're not in the champions or the Euro League where you have to, you know, travel to other countries. Um, so we get we get a chance to stay, you know, kind of locally. Um, so the travel hasn't been too bad. Um, and you know, we've hit a rough patch these last couple of well, this last month. Um, our team dealt with some COVID cases. Um, and we had to take a, a two-week uh hiatus, and then um some other teams had to uh, have dealt with the same thing. So our, our, our league is going crazy right now with the COVID cases. Great. Let me, let me take a step back here. I mean, I feel like we just jumped into this interview. Uh, Inside Carolina Podcast, we have Joel Berry with us. Really appreciate him coming on. Remember to rate, review, and subscribe to the Inside Carolina Podcast. Give us a five-star rating. Um, give us a little review and mash the subscribe button. Of course, this is brought to you by Johnny T-Shirt and johnnytshirt.com. We'll talk more about them in a little bit. Joey? So, Joel, you, something you shared just a second ago really already has my um, kind of my wheels in my head turning a little bit. How in the world does it feel to be the old guy at 26? <laughs> and what's it like to play with guys that are that young? Because I would imagine they're still physically developing, right? 
Yeah, yeah. Like I said, I mean, the guys who they don't they don't play with us. Um, they don't dress out during the games, but um, they're from the 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 youth team that um our organization has. So they come and practice with us. So um, and like I said, they it's it's as low as fourteen. Um, and so it's uh yeah it's you know it's it, it's tough because um you know as for me I'm still learning you know, about professional basketball. And this is my first year, you know, playing overseas. Um, you know, really, it's only, it's really my third year being a professional. So I'm still young in my professional career. So, um, yeah, it, it, it feels weird when I tell people, yeah, I'm the oldest guy on the team. And they're <laughs> like, well, you're still 26. And I'm like, yeah, that just goes to show how young our team is. So, yeah, it's a little bit different, but, but I like it, though. It, it tests me a little bit. <laughs> So growing up in Florida, you know, and playing high school ball, and I know you had all the accolades before you came to Carolina, but did you ever expect yourself to be getting this kind of worldly experience and being able to play ball while you were doing it? Um, well, one thing my dad always told me was, you know, to use basketball and it's crazy where, you know, uh, a basketball, when you think of it, you know, from a bigger perspective, how crazy just, you know, one basketball, the places that it can take you. And um, so it's just it's amazing where it, it can take you and the experiences, uh, experiences that you have, the people that you get to meet, the people, you know, part of being, um, you know, having to be a part of somebody's legacy, as in Coach Williams, you know, and what I'm doing now. It's just great to be able to use basketball um, to be able to just experience life in general. I mean, on my own time, I don't think I would have ever came to Turkey, but you know, using basketball, it has given me a chance to see another part of the world that I necessarily wouldn't have, you know, have done on my own. So it's just crazy where basketball can take you. And each and every day, you know, some days are rough, but when you look at it from a bigger perspective, it uh, it, it's a blessing to be a part of. I love that you have that perspective. It's uh, it's something that we've talked about here on the Forty Club and. Um, you know, Ross and I share a, a friend in Jawad Williams and Jawad has made a, um, a 15 year career after he got out of the NBA traveling the world. And he's kind of brought his kids along in some places is that and he's kind of always told me that like, it's, it's one of those things you can really immerse yourself in and enjoy is, do you see yourself kind of doing that? Do you see yourself maybe picking your spots? You know, we've talked to Deion Thompson before and uh, Marcus Ginyard, some other guys that are just in different places around the world and they love it. Can you see yourself being one of those guys that, that plays, you know, for, for different nationalities and different countries and different leagues? Yeah. Um, you know, if, if that's God's plan for me, you know, that's, um, you know, I would love to do that. Um, you know, we all, uh, well, I still have, you know, the goal of wanting to make it to the NBA, but, you know, I take it day by day. Um, and, you know, if this is my calling and, you know, being overseas is, you know, what, what, what that is for me, then, um, you know, that's what I'm going to do. And, and I look forward to, um, you know, part of being here, you do have to put yourself into the culture because it can get a little lonely here, you know, not knowing too many people, yeah. um, especially being in Turkey with the, the, um, with the language and, and it being different. Um, so you kind of have to immerse yourself in the culture and get out and see some things, you know, and um, get out and about, which is which is tough right now with the lockdown. But, you know, as much as possible to be able to try to do things that, you know, will help you 
not think about all the negative things that, you know, come with being overseas, you know, being away from family, being away from friends, you know, the time difference and everything. So, um, you know, I, I know of those guys and heard that they've had great careers overseas. Um, I talked to Dion, you know, a little bit and tried to see, you know, how he navigated through his time overseas and what did he do um, to help himself and his wife, you know, while um, being in another country. So, you know, getting their perspectives and um, talking to them has helped me quite a bit. But um, like I said, you know, immersing yourself in the culture, that's what it's about. And um, just seeing some things you would never see back at home. So uh, at the end of the day, it's, it's great. And like I said, it's a blessing to be able to, um, to be able to see some different things. Yeah, that's awesome. And I, I wish I could have had that opportunity to, to travel so much, you know, in your 20s and see a lot of things. Hopefully things open up here and you can really get out and see some different countries and try some different things. I got a couple of rapid questions for you about Turkey before we move on. We're going to talk a little Roy Williams, talk a little UNC basketball, talk a little 2017 National Championship. But what's the, like, what's, what's the food like there? What's the craziest thing you've seen or eaten? <laughs> um, I'm, I'm a guy, like, I, I like to, you know, reach out a little bit, but I'm, I like <laughs> to stick to, to the things I like. So, yeah. um, I haven't tried too many dishes from Turkey. Um, I've tried some things. One thing that I love is the, it's called baklava. It's yeah. like a, a, a dessert and yeah. it's so good. <laughs> um, and we have like some of the local, uh, bakeries, like bring it after practice and, mm. <laughs> I know it's 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 so hard to stay away from, but I love that. But other than that, I haven't really tried any dishes, you yeah, know, made a, from uh, Turkey. That's a flaky uh, pastry with pistachios and honey, I believe, popular in the Mediterranean yeah. countries. Heavy yeah. in the carbs too, by the way. Yeah, that, those are good. That'll give you the itis right after practice if they're bringing it right. to you. Right, for play. sure. Yeah, that's how you got to limit yourself. <laughs> What's uh? Have you had any like crazy kind of international interactions with locals or, or anything that, that stands out? I, mean, I imagine Istanbul is a pretty big city. Usually, in big cities, you can have some crazy stuff go down. Yeah, um, I mean, it reminds me of New York a lot. Um, right. I mean, the traffic is ridiculous. Um, I mean, I, one night I came back home from practice and it took me 30 minutes and my, my apartment is like two minutes around the corner. And it took me like 30 minutes just to get back home. Um, so that's crazy. Um, I will say that uh, I took a taxi ride to go get a haircut and okay. the taxi guy like, went to go turn and this dude just all of a sudden just stopped and put on his hazard lights. And like, <laughs> I'm, I'm in the taxi and the dude stops and I'm like, man, I'm trying to get somewhere. And he stops and like, has it was doing, uh, having like a steering contest with the other guy and almost got out of the car. And I'm like, man, I'm about to witness somebody. I'm about to witness a fight right here in front of my eye. That's funny. So yeah, it's crazy how, they 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 get pretty crazy in traffic, but that's probably the craziest thing. It's been pretty much a smooth ride for me. So <laughs> yeah, and the the language barrier always makes things difficult. Almost got like taken in custody in Slovenia at the Slovenian Croatian border for a oh, passport dang. passport issue, and we were pretty scared in our rental car. That's a little. And we, you can't speak the language. You're like lost. All right. Uh, we'll get back to some more international stories. Uh, first, I'll talk to you about Johnny T-Shirt and GiantT-Shirt.com. They're our sponsor. Head over to GiantT-Shirt.com and check out their whole selection of UNC gear. Get yourself a basketball jersey, baseball jersey, anything. They have it all at GiantT-Shirt.com. And right on Franklin Street, inside Carolina subscribers, get 10% off with the promo code found on the premium 
message boards, the football message board, the basketball message board, Johnny T-shirt and johnnytshirt.com. Joel, did you ever find yourself on Inside Carolina when you were in school? Uh, I was quite a bit. Were you on the message boards? Uh, no, I didn't really look at the message boards. Just like <laughs> that's, that's a veteran move right there. Yeah, you don't want to read the message boards, especially after a loss. Uh, I'm, right. I'm, I'm always wondering, uh, wondering, like, do players see all the stuff that we write or, or see, you know, the message boards? I'm, I know you all see the stuff on social media, and I, I know players – get off social media during the season because of how brutal it gets. Um, oh, yeah, it- yeah. I've never – I never paid attention to it. I might have saw, like, one or two things, but usually I try um, – I try not to look at it. <laughs> Great. So we're getting some Roy Williams uh, talk here before we get into more of your career at UNC. Obviously, it was, like, I guess three weeks ago or it was April 1st when Roy was Williams like – years. <laughs> yeah, it's, we've been, it's been intense coverage here at Inside Carolina. But uh, Roy Williams retired, and it kind of came out of nowhere. I mean, he is seven years old, so it wasn't a complete surprise. But where were you and what was what happened in your mind when you found out the news that, that your coach for four years, Roy Williams, was, was stepping down and retiring from the head job at UNC? Yeah, so um, actually my birthday is on April 1st. So um, I was sitting in my apartment, and Sean – Sean May called me and um, I honestly thought he was calling, you know, to wish me happy birthday. And <laughs> he was like, man, I just wanted to call you and um, let you know before the news came out that um, Coach Williams is deciding to retire. And in my mind, I'm just like, you know, if something like that happens, you know, you will hear about it. I mean, it's not like, you know, Coach mm-hmm. Williams, when you think about Carolina, you know, it's Coach Williams. You know, it's not like, you know, no disrespect to smaller schools, but, you know, it, it's when when it's a decision like that, you know, it's like everyone hears about it. Um, and so I didn't hear anything about it. And um, when Sean called me, I was just really shocked. I didn't know what to say. Um, you know, I kind of knew – that he was getting to the end of his career, kind of like you said, you know, he's 70. So you would think that it was coming sometime soon. Um, But I didn't think it would be this early. Um, And so it was just really, I was shocked and I'm still shocked today, but, you know, I I just know that um, coach Davis would do a great job, but um, you know, when you think about Carolina, you think about coach Williams, which is, you know, that's, that's what shocks me so much. Yeah, for sure. And we'll get to Hubert Davis and, and some other things about your relationship with Coach Williams. But, I mean, did you start reaching out to teammates at that point? Were you on the group chat? I mean, what's kind of going through, you know, after you hear the news, after you talk to Sean, like what happens next for you? I mean, it's just – it was crazy for everybody. Imagine, like, fans and then imagine people who played for him. It's got to be – it's got to be very different. Exactly. Um, I called Theo when I heard it, and he was like, yeah, man, I don't know – I don't know what happened. Like it just came out of nowhere. And, and, and I think, I think that was everybody's reaction. Everybody was just shocked, honestly. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, honestly, when it came out though, everybody was like texting me like, Hey man, I know it's April fools. Is this a joke or something? <laughs> and I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, no, this is serious. He, he's retiring. And um, so I just think it the way it happened, you know, with being on April 1st, you know, everybody thought it was a joke. Yeah. And then secondly, you know, with it just being, there was no, you know, there was no 
um, it's like all of a sudden it just happened. There was nothing leading up to it, you know, um, you know, no one knew anything. It just all of a sudden came out of nowhere. So I called Theo and we were just, we really didn't know what to say, honestly. Joel, uh, one of the things, and, and I appreciate your honesty about the Coach Williams retirement situation. One of the things I think a lot of fans have seen this year and, and Inside Carolina has written about it a lot was uh, kind of the, the growing pains for UNC's freshman guards this year. And one of the things that we always heard was, you know, it's, it's very tough for freshmen to pick up Roy Williams' system. And I think uh, at least I don't want to speak for Ross, but I see a lot of a lot of your game in R.J. Davis. I think you guys have a a different skill set. But you guys have a very similar mentality in how you protect the ball, get into the rim, you know, kind of how you distribute, but how you're also able to, to, to hit perimeter shots. But I would wonder if you would be able to speak to what your freshman uh, freshman year was like. I know you were injured a little bit, but uh, your freshman year to sophomore year was like in Roy Williams' system and being, you know, uh, a point guard at North Carolina and, and kind of coming in very heralded. And, and just what was that transition like for you? Yeah, um, I know a lot of people remember my freshman year and it was my freshman year was really bad. Um, you know, the injuries, um, I think I might have shot. I, it feels like I shot like 100 air balls. Um, and it was like, (laughs) it was tough for me. And, you know, it was a, it was a testimony, um, to just, you know, what, what I did during that, that time when I was out and, um, you know, from the, from my freshman year to my sophomore year, it was just a lot of hard work, but I will say when I was out though, it gave me a chance to really see the game from another perspective and, you know, in, our offense, you know, defense, hearing what coach thought was good, thought was bad, um, as I said on the bench. And um, one thing about Carolina is that uh, there, there are a lot of reads within Carolina's offense. It's not an offense where you can just go in and say, okay, I'm going to just use my God-gifted athletic ability and just play. There's a lot of reads. There's a lot of things. You have to really think the game. And within the offense. And I think that's probably why a lot of guys, you know, especially coming in as freshmen, you know, you have a tough time, you know, picking up on those cues early. And it's something that you have to repeat each and every day. And it's very repetitive. And um, and so for me, like, I, that's that's how I just made that huge jump from my sophomore, I mean, from my freshman and sophomore year, was just being able to see the game from another perspective and actually get a chance to see the reads, you know, without having to, you know, worry about, okay, thinking about on the bench, what I'm going to do when I get in the game, I was able to just be able to sit back and just really take a look at the game and see it for what it was and see all the reads and everything. Like I said, from another perspective. Yeah. You kind of answered my follow-up. Like, is that what makes it so tough as a freshman point guard? We've seen guys have success with it. We've seen guys struggle with it. I would think Caleb Love and R.J. Davis at times struggled this year. Um, is, is it the reads and the offense that makes it so tough for a freshman point guard? Is there anything else that makes it difficult? Is it the physicality? Is it the speed of the game? Is it, is it really pushing the ball? Is there anything else that sometimes – Calls the defense. Uh, yeah, forces uh, freshman guards to struggle under Roy Williams' system. Yeah, um, you know, if you look at it, if you study – or look at Carolina's game, you will see the point guard is really making like 
a ton of calls a game. Think about how many possessions mm-hmm. are in the game, especially with our team in the way we push the ball. There are a lot of there are a lot of reads. There are a lot of play calls. Um, you know, I mean, from the baseline out of bounds to calling the calling the plays after a free throw, calling the plays when there's a dead ball, and then having to call a play going back on defense, deciding what defense you want to run. Do you want to do a man-to-man? Do you want to do a trap? You know, Coach Williams gives you the freedom to make the calls, and it can be hard because everybody's looking at you. When you run down the court and when you're out there on the court, everybody's looking, all right, Joel, what are we doing? And that can be tough. That That's a lot of pressure. And no one ever said it was easy. And I, would, I just remember Coach Robinson – telling me, um, you know, when I first came in, uh, this is the hardest position mm-hmm. in, in, in the program. And it's not easy at all. And you will have some days where you feel like you can't figure it out. And I really felt that way. But once I got it, you know, and I really, you know, started understanding, you know, that I stopped looking over at the coach because, you know, I kind of knew, all right, this is what I feel this. I feel that coach will want this play in this situation, and then it also comes down to knowing your teammates too, and how to get your teammates going. And like I said, just by what I what I what I've been explaining, it goes to show how much goes into being a point guard at Carolina. Joel, uh, you know, with all the stuff you dealt with your freshman year, did you ever think about leaving? Uh, I actually did think about leaving my freshman year. And I don't tell it much because, you know, um, everybody will focus on that. But it, it's true. Um, I did think about leaving. But, um, you know, I have I have great parents and they told me to think about my situation in another way. And that's what really made me, you know, that's what really changed my way is, you know, instead of thinking about all the negative things to think about, all right, what can I do to be able to get more time on the court? And that's when I really started studying the game, studying the offense, you know, watching watching plays of, um, you know, guys like Raymond Felton and Ty Lawson, who had great careers and what they were doing. Um, and that kind of helped me out. So I changed my whole perspective. But at one point, I did think about leaving. Yeah, I appreciate your honesty there. So uh, I've, obviously, everybody knows how you're able to morph from your freshman year, you know, your sophomore year, you guys get to the national championship, uh, heartbreaking fashion, the way things go down. But I think you really took a huge leap there that we talked about a few minutes ago. And at some point you earned what is mostly acclaimed, uh, by folks around Carolina basketball is the, the highest award you can claim is that Roy Williams called you a tough little nut. What does it mean <laughs> to be a tough little nut to, to Roy Williams? Yeah, it means, it means everything. Um, I mean, one, just in that, it just shows the relationship that him and him and I had, um, you know, it just went beyond basketball, you know, um, uh, I don't say much, but, you know, me and Coach Williams, we really did have a great relationship. And, you know, I think he kind of knew how I was struggling, um, you know, a little bit my freshman year, but through the whole time, he always saw the potential that I had and um, always pushed me to be better. And so um, and I think that he knew that whenever whenever it was time to go into battle, he knew that I would show up. Mm-hmm. And I think that, you know, having that name um, was great and it means a lot to me. 
Um, and it still does to this day, um, just because um, I knew that that was my coach and I would literally do everything um, that I could to be able to um, to be a part of his legacy and to push his legacy on. And uh, I told him from day one that I wanted to win a national championship. And he told he told me and told Justin and Theo that he thinks that our class can be a part of that and, and help us to get one. And that's what we did. And so just to have that name, you know, it's great. And like I said, it just goes to, it goes to show the relationship and, you know, um, how he pushed me to be the best that I could be. Yeah, I mean, I think when people think about Joel Berry as a UNC point guard, you know, everybody has a different qualities, different thoughts about different guards. I, mean, I think toughness, grit, being that dog is how people will remember Joel Berry. And I, I think you know that. I think most, that's how most fans feel. Um, get a little bit deeper with your relationship with Roy Williams. It always seems like he has these kind of a special relationship with point guards. Now that you, you know, when he retired, you're obviously reading everything and you're, you're thinking about him and what he means to you. Um, is there anything else you can kind of tell us about, I mean, what this man means to you in your life, not just on basketball, but kind of growing as a human being and, and, and progressing during your four years at UNC and beyond? Yeah, so um, when he first took a visit to my house when I was in high school, um, my mom asked him, you know, it's not about basketball. It's not about um, anything else. And she said, will my son come out of Carolina being a better man and coach Williams promised my mom that and and you know like I said I've um coach Williams means a lot to me and it's it is bigger than basketball because um I just remember in times in practice you know I I knew what I wanted to say to my teammates but you know in the midst of competition you know how things can be said wrong and coach Williams helped me to, um, you know, explain it, to help myself explain to my teammates how to better say what I wanted to say. And, you know, that's just one of many examples of him, you know, teaching things that you can use outside of basketball and in life in general. Um, and so that was the biggest thing was, you know, basketball, you know, you, he's a basketball coach. So you expect him to um, help you be better um, and progress in basketball, but it's about the relationships and, you know, um, you know, being able to continue to, to, uh, you know, strive as a person and strive as, as a man. And that's what he did. And that's what means the most to me. Um, and, and, and our relationship with, uh, with, with one another. So, um, it was great. And like I said, I love coach Williams and, um, I love my time playing up under him. How often do you talk to him? And what's that like after you leave? Does he text he's you a hard, every day? Is he calling you? Like, what's the situation? <laughs> no, he's a hard man to get in touch with. You know, okay. he's out there doing, you know, doing his Nissan commercials and stuff. <laughs> and he talks about, you know, he's all he's always saying, oh, man, I don't care about that stuff. And, you know, I feel like he really does deep down. He loves mm -hmm. He loves the camera. <laughs> so, um, but I know, you know, Whenever we talk, um, you know, it's always like we never skip the beat. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, he he genuinely cares about each and every one of his players. Um, you know, you can ask, you know, from me on down to whoever you can think of that played for him. You know, whenever you talk to him, it's just a bond that can never be broken. 
Um, and you just always, you know, have that um, that place in your heart for Coach Williams. So uh, I don't talk to him much, but whenever I do, it's uh, I love. What was your recruitment like? If you could, you kind of recap how that went down. Uh, what schools you were looking at? What it came down to, and eventually, you, you told the story of, of really coming into your house, Coach Williams coming to your house. Um, the, the the what happened to to make your decision become UNC? Yeah, so I mean, being from Florida, um, you know, I saw Carolina. They were on TV quite a bit, um, and me and my mom, we just loved how you know how passionate Coach Williams, you know, was as you know as you looked at the TV, um, and so. Well, I, I was like, you know, I want I want to play for Carolina one day. And, you know, I was just saying that as a young kid, you know, seeing the Carolina blue, you know, seeing guys play on TV, you know, you just you just blurt it out, really. Um, <laughs> and so uh, but being from Florida, you know, I was getting recru- uh, recruited by Florida and Florida State. Um, and I took visits to those schools. Um, you know, I had quite a quite a few um of other schools as well but um you're a big time recruit you're a big time recruit yeah (laughs) you're mcdonald's all american right right so yeah so um i had my choices but i kept it limited though i mean carolina i only went on one official visit and it was carolina um and i knew at that point that i wanted to go there and um i told my parents that i wanted to commit but, you know, they told me, all right, let's wait till we get back home and think about it a couple of days. And then we'll give coach a call. And um, I still remember the day I was at school um, and uh, over one of my breaks and I was getting ready to go to practice. But before practice, I wanted to tell my high school coaches first that I was committing. Um, and then we all hopped on the phone call and gave coach a call and to let them know the news. So um, that was a huge moment for me. Um, and, uh, I made a great decision and, uh, you know, it was the, it was the best four years I could ever ask for. So at what point did you, and you mentioned this earlier with kind of what coach Williams said to you and, and Justin and Theo, at what point did you guys realize that you were, um, that, that you were really going to contend for a national championship? I mean, I think a lot of, a lot of players think about that when they go to, to blue, blue blood programs, but at what point did you guys actually believe, um, you know, and I'd like to think you probably knew that before you guys got to the, the, the title loss in 2016, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, you can see it happening. You can see we had the talent within the program um, with us coming in with the guys who are already there. Um, you could see it. And I just think it was a matter of time before we came together and figured out, you know, how to play with one another. And, um, you know, me, Theo, Justin, we had to, you know, even Justin, you know, even though Justin played his freshman year quite a bit, um, you know, I still think we had to figure things out and still get our feet up under us. And um, we kind of knew it all the time. We talked about it and that in you know that in itself with us always keeping that goal in mind i think that's what continued to help us push and want to be better and um so once we got the sophomore year we kind of knew that you know that was that was our year we felt that that was our year we felt like we made some big strides throughout the summer um the summer was great that summer i mean guys were getting after it um we were battling um 
and the workouts and everything were just always, you know, fun and upbeat. And um, so we kind of knew that leading up. And when the season started, you could see it. And, um, you know, we played Virginia. And, I mean, the game was terrible. But <laughs> it brought – yeah, it brought us together. And we knew that to, to win a national championship, we were going to have to play defense. We had all the offensive mm-hmm. – um, yeah, all the offensive threats. I mean, me, Justin, Marcus, Bryce. I mean, you could go down the list. But we knew we needed to come together defensively, and that's what really changed the whole thing for us. And um, so it was something that we kind of knew. We just had to, you know, um, bring things together, and we had to come together as one team. We're going to take a quick break and have some national ads run. When we get back, we're going to talk about the 2017 run to the Final Four and then a lot more on the 2017 run here with Joel Berry on the Inside Carolina Podcast brought to you by Johnny T-Shirt and johnnytshirt.com. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. This is Tony Kornheiser's show. I'm Tony. You expected someone else? So what exactly is the show about? Hmm, I don't know. It's a sports show nominally. Football's over, but we're finally at a point where things matter in college basketball and baseball season is on deck. Greatest three words in the English language, pitchers and catchers. We have some of the best voices come on and explain what matters or what makes an upset, like Ryan does, (laughs) nine over eight. No, that's not an upset. No, yeah, it is, Bob. And if you're lucky, I might just tell you about my search for discounted sleep pants or my worries about what my dog just ate. Listen on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. And we're back on the Inside Carolina podcast, a little 40 club edition here with Joey Powell. I'm Ross Martin. And of course, Joel Berry, really appreciate his time. We're going to wrap up here with this last little segment. Um, we kind of got into the 2017 title or 2017 Final Four run and then a little bit on the 2017 uh, title. But I mean, I was in, um, I was in Houston in 2017, 2016, sorry. And I was just, I mean, that was a crazy game, that championship game. And I mean, I don't want to get, too deep into the emotions here, but I mean, what was that like when, when uh, Villanova hit that shot? And I mean, can you kind of, I remember going to that locker room after, and it was maybe the Does it still wake you up in a cold sweat, Joel? <laughs> it was the saddest thing I've ever been to. I remember I talked to Joel James, tried to interview Joel James, and he, uh, he wanted to talk to me in the locker room. I mean, it was just sad. So what was that like when you saw that shot go through? What was that moment like when Marcus Page hit that shot? Just kind of take us into a brief glimpse into that kind of room, that, that moment. Yeah, it was it was really tough. I mean, as you can see, you can see all the emotion just in the room in the locker room. I mean, it was just hard to it was hard to look at Coach Williams. I mean, you would think on a regular day, you know, when Michael Jordan walks into the locker room, you know, you 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 sit up and you listen. And with the figure like that walking into the locker room, it was still hard to listen. Um, even though I do remember the moment of him speaking, it's just still hard because you, we went out there and, you know, we put it, we put it all out on the line and to lose on the last second shot like that, knowing that you had the momentum going into the last seconds of the game. 
Um, it's tough and it was it was just hard. And we knew we had seniors who, you know, Marcus, Bryce, Joel, um, you know, we we really wanted to do something special with them and which we did. Um, but we wanted it, we wanted to complete the task and we we fell short. And it was just devastating, but um, you know, it's something that, uh, as Joey said, I still get cold sweats just watching the game, yeah. watching it. Every time you see March Madness come up, you see the shot, and I'm just like, man, <laughs> you know, y'all could just stop running that on air. I think we've seen it enough. So um, it's hard, but it was it was a good it was a good moment for us. So did Jordan talk to y'all before the game too at all? No, he only okay. talked to us after the game. Okay, so you have this crazy moment, you know, and you're walking locker room, and then just Michael Jordan walks in at some point and, and gives you all a little speech. <laughs> Is that kind of how it went? Yeah, it did, and we we didn't know it was going to happen. I mean, we knew he was at the game, um, but we didn't know he was coming to talk to us. Great. Let's get into the 2017 um, title run. I mean, you have you, you lose Marcus. You lose Joel James, you lose Bryce Johnson. So you lose some key pieces, but you have the core coming back with you. Um, I think Kenny Williams was was healthy at the beginning of that season. Is that right? Yeah, he was. Yeah, yeah. and then, of course, Theo Pinson, Justin Jackson, Isaiah Hicks, Kenny Meeks. You add Tony Bradley. I mean, you have to mention Nate Britt, too. I thought Nate Britt was a great backup point guard mm-hmm. for that team, and I think you know, teams need that role as well. Um and it's a it's a good season. It's, it's not like you're not the number one team the whole year, but you're definitely in that top group the whole year. When you're entering um, the tournament, what's kind of the mindset you're 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 entering it with? And then um, I mean, there are some really close games on, on the path to the Elite Eight. We'll get to that moment in a second. Yeah, um, we kind of knew we knew. All right, you know, we just lost the national championship you know, we wanted to make it back and we knew we had the team to do it that year too. Um, you know, with all of us coming back, you know, uh, you know, having Kennedy, having Isaiah, having Nate Britt as our seniors, um, you know, we knew we had the pieces to do it. And um, it was just a matter of if we wanted to do it, you know, you can get complacent just reaching a national championship, you know, coming back the next year and saying it all, you know, I guess we just go into the season, whatever happens, happens. And, you know, our coaching staff, um, our strength coach, Jonas, I think everybody knew that we really wanted to get back and they did whatever they could to help us out. And I mean, it was, it was a crazy, it was really a crazy tournament. I mean, it didn't go smoothly at all with, um, you know, the close games that we had, um, the injuries, I mean, it goes on and on. So it wasn't, you know, the smoothest ride, but that's what made it so worthwhile. And when you see all the pictures from and all the videos from, you know, the the championship and when we won it, you know, that was just all the emotions that we were experiencing, you know, throughout the throughout the tournament. Joel, one of the things that you talked about, you know, the, the close games early on in that tournament, uh, I think you guys get compared uh, to the 2009 team a lot which may be fair or unfair, 2009 and 2005 are always pitted against each other. But you guys, I guess the 2009 team, they seem to be able to just turn the switch on uh, before any game whenever they wanted to. I think your squad, your junior year in 2017, during that tournament run, seemed to be able to to find uh, a reserve or 
maybe it was another gear when you guys needed. I'm specifically thinking about that game against Arkansas. What, at what point or, or how did you guys find that amongst yourselves in the middle of a game? Whereas to somebody like 2009, it was like, okay, they're going to come out and flip the switch before the game. You guys seem to be able to find it when you hit some adversity. Was it because of what you'd seen in 2016? Or did you guys as a unit just know when to kind of dig into each other? Yeah, um, you know, we will always talk about it, um, you know, off the court, but it's just like, all right, you know, you got 40 minutes in a game and, you know, it. we knew that we had targets on our back because one, we're Carolina and two, we were the number one seed. So we knew that, OK, everybody's going to come out and try to give us our best, uh, give give us their best game. And um we were like, okay, we know they're going to come out hard. All we have to do is just keep playing our game, and we know at the end of the game we'll be right where we want to be. And, you know, at a pace that we play at, you know eventually the other team's going to get tired. And so we kind of kept that perspective throughout, you know, throughout the year and throughout the tournament, knowing that, you know, people are going to come out at the beginning of the game. It's going to be high energy, you know, but can they sustain that for 40 minutes? And that's hard. And that's with any team, you know, you can come out, but once those legs start getting tired and, you know, you, you're having to play at our pace, you know, it's about, all right, can they last that long? And we kind of knew, you know, as long as we stay around in a game like that, you know, we're, we're going to come out on the top. And so we just always kept that perspective. We knew we, we had the team and had the offensive pieces. And we knew that once we turned it on defensively, you know, it, things will change. But like yeah. I said, you know, keeping that perspective, all right, can a team hang with us with 40 minutes is was, you know, what we always kept in mind. So y'all defeat Texas Southern in the first round and you, you the pretty close game against Arkansas. That one came down to last minute or so. You, get yeah. but, you, you beat Butler by 12 in Memphis and then the, the infamous Kentucky game, 75-73, uh, of course, the uh, two-point shot by Luke Barry off a Theo Pinson assist. That moment, can you can you speak on like what that shot was like? I'm sure that's a very fond memory for you and that kind of celebration to kind of get back to the Final Four. Yeah, I think uh, whenever you think about our team, I think that's what everybody remembers is you know that that shot that Luke hit. And honestly, that's a, that was a testimony to Luke's hard work. Um, you know, I don't. I think everybody knows his his journey, you know, about Carolina. But, you know, he came in and, I mean, no one really had any high hopes, of, you know, of Luke. And we've seen it, you know, being his teammates, but no one else saw it. And, you know, just when he hit that shot, it, w it was amazing. And, I mean, I, I know y'all see all the pictures. All I could do was just jump on them and just, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and just, hu just hug them because it was like – it, it shocked me that he hit the shot. Yeah. Um, not that he hit it, but, you know, it was just in the moment. And so, uh, but, yeah, that game, that game was crazy. I love watching the video of the, the Kentucky people in the bar. Yeah. And <laughs> That uh, one guy, the one little guy. Yeah. The dude with the blue yeah. He's sitting Kentucky there like, jersey on and just yeah. crushed. Like his soul just leaves his body. You can see it. Yeah. Right, right. I love that video. I still watch it to this day. I love seeing that. <laughs> But um, yeah, that game was great, and uh, that's what really—that's what really, you know, we knew when that moment hit that it was—it was 
um, it was real and that we were on our way back to towards something that we had been, you know, wanting to wanting to do since we lost that game. And, it, you know, it was tough being patient throughout the year um, because we wanted it so bad. So to know that we were on our on our way to that moment was um, it was great. And yeah, that that it was just uh, it was amazing. So the hot take factories around the country after you guys beat Kentucky with that shot was that, you know, you guys were just going to be so deflated and, and that Oregon was going to, you know, uh, carve UNC up and, and you guys were going to have this huge letdown. And OK, whatever, that, that would have been easy for you guys to do. But specifically, because of the two games that you were able to put together in the Final Four, I want to ask, what was your mindset going into that? I mean, was it, was it one of those of, hey, we've gotten this far, anyway, in hell, I'm going to lose now? Or, or was it like, <laughs> how, did you, how did you get keyed up to have the performance that you had uh, in the Final Four, both of those games? Yeah, well, for me, um, it was crazy because in that Kentucky game, I really thought that was my last game because I twisted my other ankle. And I went to the locker room and I was like, I really think this might be my last game. I don't know if I can go out on the court. And then I just knew that, you know, it was something that that hit me that was like, all right, this is bigger than me. This is we've been thinking about this since we lost in 2016. There's no way I can just lay down. So I knew that even if I wasn't at 100 percent, just being on the court would would help our team. And so. When we got to the final four, literally from like the time I woke up in the morning until late at night, I was doing ankle recovery stuff. I was with Jonas. I was with our um, athletic trainer, Doug. Like I, all I had on my mind was basketball, really, because I was just trying to prepare myself to be ready to play. And I was just in basketball mode for – I, I don't know how many days we were there, but that whole time I was just, it was all basketball for me. It was, it really felt like being a professional. Um, and so uh, we just knew that we got to that moment and it, it was time. It was real. We were back where we wanted to be. And like you said, there was no way that anybody was going to stop us from <laughs> getting to that national championship game, no matter what it took. And you could see that in the way that we were competing. And um, I mean, I still, I mean, I get chills today. It, it just, it was a great moment. And just the, the, the games that we put together to get back to that moment was amazing. I remember, Joel, I wrote about three articles a day on your ankle that week. Because <laughs> um, like, that's what people wanted to click on. They wanted to know the status cool. of Joel Berry's ankle. So Right. Any quote, anything from you or, or, or coach, I was putting into an article. All right. So you get to the final four. You've been, a, you went to two, but how different is it when it's on that, in that football stadium, a massive arena, it looks like a, a spaceship out there in the desert in Arizona. And, and it just feels so intense. Like every possession matters so much more in, in the final four game in the championship game. What kind of is that like being, um, being on that stage, knowing that everyone's watching you. And you, and you played in four games like that. Yeah. Um, man, the Final Four is an amazing time. Uh, you know, outside of the game, the the things that you do, you know, going to the banquets. Um, you know, we just have 
we really had fun. We embraced the moment during those times, even, you know, in the year that we lost, we embraced the time. I mean, they had like all these activities, you know, where you could go and like hit a wiffle ball. They had a wiffle ball section. <laughs> they had the section where you could, uh, you know, make the diving football catch onto the pad. Like we were just, we were just enjoying our time. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what kept us relaxed. Like during the during the tournament, um, you know, you taking pictures and stuff, doing all the promos, all that stuff. You know, it was it was fun, but you know, we had a really we had a really outgoing team. Um, you know, with Theo leading it all, but you know, it was just it, it was it was great, and that's how we were able to relax when it came down to the games and be able to lock in. You know, to um, we just weren't we weren't intense. We knew the we knew what was at stake but mm-hmm. at the same time we enjoyed it to where it wasn't a, like it wasn't a burden a burden on us to all right now all of a sudden we have to lock in like it was just something that came natural that we knew all right off the court we're going to be ourselves but on the court we know we got to take care of business and that's how it was in in all of the fi- uh in both of the final fours so um like i said we knew what was at stake but we, we kept it relaxed and that's what helped, you know, um, playing in a big stadium like that. <laughs> you were named most outstanding player of the Final Four. Your stat line against Gonzaga in the championship game, 37 minutes, um, seven for 19 from the field. You, you took a lot of shots. You took a lot of threes too, four for 13, four for eight from the free throw line, six assists, three rebounds, two steals, one block, one turnover, three fouls, and 22 points. Um a great game. It wasn't the cleanest game for anybody. It was kind of a, a back and forth game, but it was definitely a close game. Hey, I got an ad playing here on my ESPN thing. There we go. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll look at your stat line. The ESPN ad popped up. Um, and what I remember is that photo of you. And I'm sure you love this photo of when you got the ball after the Kenny Meek steal. I think there's like five or six seconds left. At that point, you're up by, I think, five, maybe a little more. And you know you've won it. Um, you're on the edge of the court there with the ball. What was that moment like, kind of just knowing that you had done it and, and that you had the ball and, and you were about to go to the free throw line, knowing you had won the national championship? Yeah, um, it's just <laughs> like that moment right there came natural. It was – it wasn't – you know, it was – even though the cameras called it, it wasn't for the cameras. It was just like mm-hmm. – I had just went through so much during that tournament and it was um, – it tested me quite a bit. Um I mean, back in back to you know when we played in South Carolina in the first the first and second round, um, I literally had to travel to Charlotte to to um, work with somebody just to play against Arkansas, and then working because I had twisted my ankle in the uh, in the first game, and just trying to like figure it out and just trying to stay you know, grounded and continue to push that, that, that all those emotions came out in that photo. And I mean, I still had the magazine, you know, and I still had that photo and I look at it all the time. Um, but yeah, that was just, that was the moment that we knew we had wanted. And it was just like, you know, from the 2016 year and what led up to that moment, it was just like all that emotion came out. It looked like you were about to choke the life out of the ball. Like I remember, I remember the photo Ross is talking about. You're like, it's great. Yeah, I'm trying to mash the ball out. That was funny. 
What was, yeah. the, what was the party like after that championship in, in Arizona and then back at Chapel Hill? Oh yeah. It was, um, it was epic. It was, uh, it was a <laughs> lot of fun. Um, not anything I want to say on air, but it was a lot of fun. So, <laughs> um, you know, being able to get back and seeing, um, you know, the way the school embraced us, mm-hmm. um, you know, we did it for them too. Um, I know a lot of the people were heartbroken from the year before. Um, and a lot of people I know probably were ready to go celebrate on Franklin street and, you know, it, going around campus that year, just, you know, and seeing like when everybody graduated from that year um, and every, hearing about what was everybody's best moment mm-hmm. and to hear them say, we mm-hmm. rushed Franklin street. Um, that just goes to show that it was bigger than us. I mean, the school embraced us, you know, everybody embraced us. Everybody knew the talent that we had and everybody, everybody loved our team just because we were always just us. And so um, that was that's what was great for me was just being able to do something that I knew not only affected us, but had a big impact on our school. So. So you talked about everybody else having their memory of the national championship uh, as kind of their lasting memory of college. What's your lasting memory of UNC? And it can be something off the court or something away from basketball. I mean, what what sticks with you about your time in Chapel Hill? Yeah, um, I feel like it's just the the relationships I built. Um, you know, I really lost myself in the in the school. You know, I've I had people friends that weren't you know that weren't part of any sports. Um, I had friends that you know were part of sports from other teams. Mm-hmm. Um, and I really I really just em- embraced the culture of Carolina and. It was great. And that's what I remember, you know, the most is, you know, it just to me, it wasn't just all about basketball. It was it was more than that, you know. And I mean, I know you guys probably have seen it, you know, all the videos of us dancing, um, Coach Williams dancing, (laughs) you know, people don't realize like, you know, Coach never really let his player never had let his players listen to music on the bus. And all of a sudden we played music and he gets up singing like and the other coaches <laughs> start singing and, you know, our managers, you know, start singing, you know, it can be a little difference between, you know, like managers and players, you know, we had a, we had a good, um, you know, good relationship with our managers. They were singing on the bus. So to me, you know, basketball is basketball, but it's the culture that we built when we were there. Um, that I remember the most and that I will always remember and just how much fun we had doing what we do, what we did. And it was just that it was a lot of fun. And that's what I tell people about. I really don't tell people about the basketball. I tell them about, you know, the the culture that we built, you know, around when we got to Carolina and just how we were able to enjoy ourselves and, and, and enjoy what we were doing. So I'm going to ask you this one, and this is going to be a little bit of a curveball, but <clears throat> excuse me. Hopefully, it'll be a hanging curveball that you can get a good get a good rap on. Because you used to be a baseball player, didn't you? No, I played football. <clears throat> football, okay, football. I knew it was. I knew you were yeah. a double sport guy, but <laughs> Alabama <laughs> fan. Forgive me. Yeah, yeah, huge Alabama fan. Yeah, I remember you okay. walked into the media room with the Alabama jersey that one time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, with my name on the back. That's right. That's right. 
All right, well, forgive me. I'll, I'll try to make this a, a nice little uh, over-the-shoulder catch then for you. Um, you talked about the culture just now and the culture you guys had created as part of the team and that was part of uh, Carolina basketball. Recently, UNC made a real big culture hire and transitioning from Coach Williams to, to Coach Davis, who you know you played for um, uh, when he was a, an assistant at UNC. I got to ask you, do you think Hubert Davis can do it? Do you think he can maintain the level of success that you guys have had? Do you think he can uh, continue to build on what uh, Coach Smith and Coach Guthridge and, and, and Coach Williams have put together? Uh, I think he can. And when they first hired Coach, um, Coach Davis, um, I think they hired him with the intention to make him the next head coach. Mm. Um, you know, I didn't know – who was going to be the next coach, but I kind of had an idea um, based off of what I've heard when I was there. And, um, you know, he coached the JV team and the JV team had did, you know, really good up under him. Um, and so I kind of knew that was going to happen. I knew I was hoping that they would keep it in the family. Um, but, you know, we had other candidates, you know, Wes Miller at UNCG I did a great job with that program. Um, congrats to him on, you know, going to Cincinnati. Um, and then, you know, Jerry Stackhouse, who has been making his way throughout the NBA um, in the coaching level. So um, I hope I was hoping that they put it, you know, kept it in the family. And then I saw Coach Davis and um, I love the decision. Um, Coach, you know, you guys have seen Coach Davis. He's one of the nicest guys, um, but I've <laughs> yep. seen – I've seen the other side of him too. And mm -hmm. it's not, you know, it's, uh, he can, he's really competitive. Um, and there was times in the, you know, in film study where you're like, was that really coach Davis that said that? Like <laughs> nothing, nothing off the wall, but just seeing the other side of him because you know, he's, he's such a nice dude. Um, and so I think it's a great decision. I think that he will do great. Um, He's stepping into some huge shoes. Um, and, you know, it's not like Carolina had, you know, too many head coaches. You know, when you think about Carolina, you think about Dean mm -hmm. Smith and you think about Coach Williams. Um, and so stepping into his shoes after, um, you know, just all of Coach Williams' career and everything is huge. But I think Coach Davis and his competitiveness and how he is as a person, um, I think he's ready for the task at, at hand and that um, I believe he will do a great job. All right, great. Joel, we really appreciate it. That kind of wraps it. A uh, perfect bow to this podcast. Really appreciate your time. I've always appreciated your honesty. I think, you know, as a quote during when you were a player, you were always kind of told how it is. Yeah. Whether your teammates liked it, whether the media liked it, whether <laughs> you might liked it, you kind of were, were pretty brutally honest and straight, which is always appreciated. Um, love covering you four years at UNC and really appreciate you coming on the inside Carolina podcast. Joe, you got anything? No, nah, man, just appreciate the time. Hope that uh, Turkey is kind to you and whatever your next stop is, man, keep us posted. I know there's a lot of folks listening to this podcast and watching this on YouTube that are, that are big fans of JB too. So uh, keep us posted and make sure you, uh, you know, I wish you all the best and appreciate you joining Ross and I today. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you guys for having me. Um, it's always good being able to loop around and talk about Carolina. So, uh, thank you guys so much um, and uh, wish y'all luck in what y'all are doing. Awesome. There you have it. Uh, thanks for listening to the Inside Carolina Podcast brought to you by Johnny T-Shirt and johnnytshirt.com.
Thanks for listening to another podcast from InsideCarolina.com. Brought to you by t shirtcom Where to go for your next Tar Heel gear purchase.